0: If you
1: dare.
3: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast. This is Betting Across America on v Sin, the sports betting network.
2: Welcome back. This is hour number three betting across America presented by bet. MGM. Femi and Fay hanging out here at the VEASAN studios at the South Point hotel and casino. James Salinas out there in Colorado. We're hanging out here for another hour as we're leading up to the Stanley cup playoffs, Eastern conference semifinal Eastern conference finals. I should say game number three between the lightning and the Rangers. We'll have a full preview on that later on in this hour, but let's stay on the NFL gridiron here, James and play our game of would you rather in these wide receivers, in a sense, kind of traded for each other. Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs, Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Who would you rather have? Diggs.
4: Simple. Done. End of story. <laughs> Stephon Diggs. <laughs> uh, not only because I think he's a better talent, and, and and again, we're talking, we're splitting hairs here as far as talent is concerned. Young player, haven't seen you know, just a, he'll be going into his third year as as Justin Jefferson, and and plenty of talent. He's got he's great playmaking ability, especially. Big deep balls down the field. Great receiver, really good receiver and, and this you know, it's only gonna get better and better. So this is going to be a talent for for many years to come. But you look at his situation there and going through a new coach maybe it's going to be better with o'connell coming over now he's going to be calling the plays was the rams oc the last couple years now be calling the plays and if you if you're going to put a imprint on what this offense looks like for minnesota from what we've seen with the rams you know it's going to be a lot of pre-snap pre-snap motion so a lot of movement for uh trying to recognize you know for at least for cousins and i'll get to cousins in a minute and that's probably the the top reason why I don't want to go with Justin Jefferson. Again, we're talking about the players, but it's also the situations that mm-hmm. they're in. So new new coordinator, new coach in a sense coming in for Minnesota, going to be a new identity potentially offensively, although they did run a lot of play action, a lot of zone runs with Minnesota previously there with the, the Kubiaks over the last handful of years. But then you got Cousins and it, Cousins is just not a guy I trust and it's not one to where he's going to make, you know, if we're talking about numbers and Jefferson will definitely put up numbers especially when Minnesota is behind and having to get a lot of play catch up and, and a lot of uh, late game situations and garbage points per se. Cousins is awesome at that. He excels in getting his team behind and then having to make make up and put a bunch of cute numbers up on the, in the scoreboard or up really <laughs> on the box score. But I just don't trust Kirk Cousins to be that. He, he's not a championship. He's not a, in my mind, he's not anywhere close to the quarterback situation that Stephon Diggs has there in Buffalo with Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen has made tremendous strides, an incredible stride last year, and as well as he's playing, he's only going to get better. There's so much talent within him, and the, the, the leadership qualities that I see in him and, and the toughness about I absolutely was floored with what we saw out of Josh Allen last year, not only from his accuracy standpoint, but I just didn't know he was that type of competitor that we saw last year. I was very impressed with him. And Stefan Diggs, he's a tr- number one, great hands, great route runner, and he's feisty, right? He's just a feisty guy out there. I love the edge and kind of that bravado that he brings out there, and he, he brings it. He's, he's got some cockiness to him, but he's full of confidence. He's a tremendous receiver. Between those two, it's no question for me, it's Stefan Diggs.
2: Okay, so you, so you, no question, Stefan Diggs, and it's easy to see why. I mean, 127 catches in 2020, 103 catches in 2021, some really productive years since he's joined the Buffalo Bills, but he had really productive years as well in Minnesota. I'm gonna make the case for Justin Jefferson, and to me, it's a little closer. I think I would probably lean Stefan Diggs, but I think it's closer here between the two because Jefferson. To me, his raw ability, it looks like it's special here. I mean, the way he entered the league, his rookie season, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns. And that was after only starting 14 games. Mike Zimmer doesn't really like rookies. So the first two weeks, he never started for the Vikings. And, okay, let's put the kid in. Then he explodes. And it was damn near the rookie of the year if it wasn't for Justin Herbert and what he was able to do. But to me, what this comes down to is strictly age. Right now, Justin Jefferson's about to enter his age 23 season. Stephon Diggs is going to enter his age 29 season. I can get more out of Jefferson long term just based on he's earlier in his career than Stephon Diggs is. And look at how much of a big play wide receiver Justin Jefferson is. He is averaging 15 yards per catch in his career. It was near 16 his rookie year, 15 even his second year, 1,600 yards receiving on 108 receptions, played all 17 games in 2021. Jefferson, I think, as good as he is right now with Kirk Cousins at quarterback, if Jefferson was able to get into a situation where he's paired up with an elite quarterback like Diggs is with Josh Allen, We might see 1,800 yards from Justin Jefferson, maybe even more touchdowns, a 15-touchdown season from Justin Jefferson. He just looks so good, and like Diggs, is a really good route runner. Now, Diggs' hands are more reliable than Jefferson. Sometimes he gets a case of the dropsies here and there, but just... He's so explosive and such a crisp and quick route runner that I think the sky's the limit for Jefferson. Wherever his career takes off, whether he stays in Minnesota there, and all indications are as he will, or if he goes to another place like Diggs did early in his career.
4: And as far as numbers are concerned, and maybe if you're in a fantasy football keeper league where you know you're you're looking at long term. In a sense, you have them on your fantasy football team. Somebody like, somebody like Jefferson is going to put up some numbers and, and going to be able to do that for a longer period of time because he is such a, he's a much younger receiver than Stephon Diggs. But I look at it from this stance here of when, I'm, when we're going through this exercise, Femi, is I look at it, who, is, who gives me the best chance to win today mm-hmm. and the situation that they're in. That's why, that's why I definitely am all over on the Diggs side because yeah. he is, he's, a, he's an elite receiver, and he's proved that he could play outside the dome right he's playing in cold weather up there in buffalo that doesn't bother him some receivers don't like to do that we've seen transition receivers in the past having to play from going from whether it's warm weather and or playing within a dome as your home stadium to now having to go play in buffalo and not only late in the season in buffalo i mean i remember september october games in buffalo it was just miserable it was these rained it was it rained and the wind and the rain was really impactful this season in so many early season games in Buffalo. The weather's just miserable during those games, at least it was last year. We know how it is late in the season up there for the Bills. He's proved that he can do that. It doesn't bother him, and maybe he kind of even relishes the fact that he's playing in cold weather because he knows where he's going off his breaks and his cuts as opposed to the defenders. So, yeah, I think longevity-wise, Justin Jefferson, the sky's the limit, great talent, but I'm looking at 2022 and how am I going (laughs) to win, who gives me the best chance to win this season. So that's kind of how I take my approach when we're going through this exercise. Family, give me again, Stephon Diggs.
2: Yeah, today it's Diggs, tomorrow probably Jefferson. Let's take a look at another matchup here. This one is going to be really interesting. It's now newly acquired Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams or Cincinnati Bengals Offensive Rookie of
4: the Year, Jamar Chase. Who would you rather have today? Chase. Jamar Chase. I mean, this is Uh, where – now we're talking about longevity. That's part of it here too. But Devontae Adams, and he's a great talent and – top-flight top, top flight receiver for sure, but he's also been with a top-flight quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, who was not afraid to thread and make throws that only Devontae Adams and Rodgers as a pair in that chemistry could make. I mean, they made, especially down in the red zone, I mean, they were just... Totally in sync in the red zone. That's what's going to happen. Have to happen here. The Raiders were terrible last year, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. I think they're twenty seventh, twenty eighth overall. Just miserable being able to finish drives and put it in that, put it in the house. Devonte Adams should definitely add to that. But that takes time to build some chemistry there. And for for Carr, I mean, they, you're going to have to figure that out quickly because the AFC West is so loaded. But on the other side, Jamar Chase, talk about chemistry. He already had that with Burrow in college. Now they just picked up right where they left off from their college days to last year going to the super bowl and representing the AFC did Cincinnati uh in that bowl game but I I just think for Jamar Chase you know I he's got the the breakaway speed he's got the big playability Devonta Adams does too but I think it's not going to be the same receiver not being paired with Aaron Rodgers any longer yeah, and
2: Devontae Adams, for his defense there, he's like, okay, now I'm going back with my old college buddy, Derek Carr, there. So there's should be some sort of chemistry with Carr and Adams. But I am I think I might be with you. And this might sound blasphemous because the last three, four years, I think Devontae Adams has been the best wide receiver in football. Yeah. But I think that after the 2022 season, we might be saying that about Jamar Chase. Chase is the best offensive player on the Bengals. I'll go as far as to say that as good as Joe Burrow is – I think Jamar Chase is the best offensive player on the Cincinnati Bengals. What he did in the Super Bowl against Jalen Ramsey, which is seems to be the consensus best cornerback in the game, I mean, it was absolutely impressive. He goes over the top on him, and he just was not afraid of the physicality. He's really great after the catch. I think that's probably where he's at his best when you get the ball in his hands and he can do work after the catch. 13 touchdowns as a rookie, and I always laugh just thinking about Jamar Chase now because I think about what we were talking about with him last year at this point about how he was dropping the ball and was struggling adjusting to the NFL. Everyone says, wow, the Bengals might have drafted a bust here with Jamar Chase. And then, you know, six months later, he wins Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he's now seen as an elite receiver, 1,400-yard receiver in his first year. Like, he is a fantastic talent. And as good as Justin Jefferson is, on that LSU team, we all thought – this Chase kid is even better than that. Like everyone said, wait until Chase gets to the NFL and see what he does. And he proved that and then some in that first year to where I think I might be with you. I might be going against Devontae Adams and taking Jamar Chase as probably at the end of this season, maybe being the best receiver
4: in the NFL. Potentially, it, it, you just talk about Chase and his explosiveness. I think that's just it. How many times do we just see him just a quick out and put put a foot put a foot in the ground and gone. I mean just great great instincts, great angles, understanding angles of de- defensive backs and understanding how to cut against that grain type of thing and and then the explosiveness. Once he gets he makes that cut, he makes that move and he understands the angle of where he's at in open space against the DB and we've seen it he just takes it to the house and what he did in the in the Super Bowl and playing at the highest level. You're talking about playing in the Super Bowl and performing the way that he did and just continuing to build off of what happened from not only last year, but winning the national championship a couple years back at LSU with his boy Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, with Devontae Adams, he was boys with Carr in college, but those days were a long time ago. <laughs> now it's the NFL, it's a whole different level, and that team is not nearly as good, and quarterback's not nearly as good as what he had at and his experience there in green bay
2: yeah jamar chase last year 18 yards per catch i think that'll do for, for jamar chase on the other side we had a couple more matchups here who would you rather have wide receiver edition in the nfl
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: This is betting across America on v the the sports betting network.
2: It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted-out specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. So visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back. This is betting across America presented by bet. MGM family hanging out here at the South point hotel and casino. James Salinas out in Colorado. We will get to our hockey game. That's about to get underway in 45 minutes in about 15 minutes. Our final breakdown of Rangers and the bolts, but let's continue our discussion of would you rather in the NFL? And this next one, it is in the battle of NFC East pass catchers. Dallas Cowboys wide receiver, now the new number one wide receiver, C.D. Lamb, or Washington Commanders wide receiver, Terry McLaurin. Who would you rather have?
4: Uh, I, from a talent standpoint, I think I'd rather have Terry McLaurin. I think he's been, he he's just makes such, such he's such an athlete for one. I mean, how many times have we seen him have to just 50-50 balls, just go up and go get it? and deep balls short ball you name it he can he can run the whole route tree and i think he's a he, i think he's a really good talent but we just haven't been able to see that to really be fully utilized femi because he's been lost in obscurity there in washington with the rotation that is the quarterback spot for yeah, they, they, I'll just call it the Washington football team. I don't even remember what the commanders, that's <laughs> yeah. it. The commies. All right, the Washington commies. That sounds really weird. Maybe i are better off going back to the football team. Washington. But, but, yeah, i will just say Washington. Um, but for, for McLaurin, it, obviously a tremendous talent. But if you look through this, and I may have missed a quarterback or two, but his three seasons there in Washington – He's caught passes from Case Keenum, Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Tyler Heineke, Garrett Gilbert, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's obviously now retired. Mm -hmm. And now he gets Carson Wentz. So... poor poor McLaurin (laughs) now as if he didn't have to go up and make enough 50, 50 balls. Now Carson West is going to put him in a position where you have 50, 50 balls, 50, 50 that you're going to survive because I'm going to be throwing these balls behind you and out ahead of you, put you in positions where you're going to have to put your body out there and leave you exposed. I mean, that's, I just feel, I honestly feel kind of bad for McLaurin, just considering Mm. not only the three years of what he's dealt with at the rotation, this, this revolving door quarterbacks, and now you're going to get Carson Wentz in there. I mean, it, man, I, so from just from a default perspective right there, I guess I'd have to take CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, he is going to be the number one receiver now. You know, that Mari Cooper's gone. Cedric Wilson is gone. Michael Gallup, I don't expect we'll see Michael Gallup back on the field this year for the Cowboys. He'll have to probably come back healthy 2023. His surgery wasn't until sometime in February to, to, to fix his ACL. Mm-hmm. So by default, I think I'll go CeeDee Lamb. Yeah,
2: I think I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin there because I agree with everything you said initially in your breakdown. And McLaurin has had to carry the commander's passing attack since he's entered the league here. CeeDee Lamb hasn't had to do that. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I love CeeDee Lamb. I think he's a really dynamic playmaker. But we have yet to see CeeDee Lamb in the number one wide receiver role. That role was filled by Amari Cooper over the last handful of years, and he also had the help of a Michael Gallup there as well, to where all the attention was not on CeeDee Lamb. When you defend the Washington Commanders, all the attention is on Terry McLaurin because he is by far and away their best offensive weapon there. So that to me is why I would go with McLaurin just because I've seen it. Now, Lamb could make me eat my words, and I hope he does. I hope he's a fantastic elite number one wide receiver because that means the Dallas Cowboys are doing really well. But so far in my career, I got to just – I got to side with what I've seen, and what I've seen is Terry McLaurin be a dynamic wide receiver one, and that is TBD for CD.
4: In spite of all the quarterback and the poor quarterback play that McLaurin is – so I agree. Like, I'd like – between the two, I like McLaurin better. I just don't like his situation – with, with what they're, what they have to work with, and now what he's bringing in to have to work with and play now, and develop some some chemistry with Carson Wentz. I mean, I don't know if how long we'll even see Carson Wentz being that starting quarterback mm-hmm. at Washington. Uh, it's pro- I would assume it's probably going to be a pretty quick. You know, it's going to be a short lease that they're going to have Wentz on because, and, and it's, and to, and it's going to be his own. He's going to be the victim of his own demise. Just as poorly as he played and what we saw in, in not only from a from a playmaking standpoint in Indianapolis, but then never ingratiated himself with that team, with that in that locker room, with that front office, with the ownership, Ursay was ready to get him, jettison him out, we made a bad <laughs> mistake, we're moving on. Hey, and sometimes you make mistakes and you, you you put your ego aside and that, yeah, we butchered that one, that was a bad trade on our part with Philly, Philly got the best of us in that, in that respect, we're just gonna move on and, and move forward. Uh, But I think for C.D. Lamb, that's going to be the interesting thing for this Dallas Cowboy team. And I think for the Dallas Cowboys, not only with the departure of of multiple receivers and most likely Gallup, like we talked about, not being if he does come back, it's going to be the latter part of the season this year. There's no way he's going to be out there the first half. I don't suspect he'll be out there at all. Uh, So it does. It falls on C.D. Lamb to have to be that guy. And there is some makeshift offensive line here too. new some changes on that offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys. And more so, I think, I'm just wondering where the mindset is for Dallas coming off of the, the loss last year in the playoffs to San Francisco, how poorly Dak Prescott played, how poorly they played offensively, the how they butchered and just completely butchered the clock management at the end of that game. Yeah. I mean, those things can tend to carry over, right? And it kind of, it, you that can still be in the back or maybe in the forefront of their minds. I just have some issues with this Dallas Cowboys team and where their mindset is rolling out. I think they they absolutely met their peak last in last season's performance during the regular season, and it got exposed during the playoffs against SF. Uh, but for CD Lamb, you didn't, you haven't seen him as that number one receiver. But you know clearly you will this year because there's not a whole lot left. That cupboard's pretty bare for the receivers there in Dallas.
2: Yeah, I think they just threw another penalty on Dallas during that uh, 49ers-Cowboys game. They're just absolutely disgusting performance, and I appreciate you for reminding me of it. Uh, let's, Let's take a look at our next and our final matchup of who would you rather have with the wide receivers. This is the main event here, James. Rams wide receiver and reigning Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup or newly acquired
4: Miami Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Who would you rather have? Cooper Cup. I mean, this is this was the Super Bowl MVP. He was the offensive player of the year last year, and that was with having to build chemistry and camaraderie with the new quarterback. Now, granted, bringing in Stafford was a great move for the Rams. That was the piece they needed. They made it happen and they go win the Super Bowl. But how great was Cooper Cup? He's been he's been a tremendous season, a really great player his career. But Mm -hmm. you just saw that explosion last year hooking up with Stafford. Stafford's another guy who's he's a tough guy in that pocket he is not afraid to take hits and hang on to that ball as long as he can for somebody like cup to run his routes because he runs a lot of he runs a lot of doubles he runs a lot of option routes those things tend to take some time and i think we really saw him be able to maximize his full the the full extent of his abilities because stafford is that guy that will hang in that pocket and let those plays and those routes develop and then cooper cup just is such a smart runner he just has such instincts to be a, uh, to, to be a, a receiver and and such a smart player that understands. He understands what the defense is doing. He was totally in sync with Stafford. You look on the other side with Tyreek Hill now having to go to Miami, uh, he's gonna. I think he's gonna find out right away. This is nowhere near the the creativity that he was used to being there with Kansas City and Andy Reid. Obviously, not having Mahomes, you're gonna drop back down to Tua, and then Hill's not gonna be the focal point of this team. I mean, there's they've built up their wide receiver core there in Miami, and for somebody like Tua, he's already boys with Waddle, his former college teammate, and I think Gasecki's mm-hmm. more of kind of like his whoopee in a sense, so I don't even know how much. I mean, Tyreek Hill's a great receiver and has the ability to make big plays over the top, but I don't know, is Tua going to be the guy that gets him down there, or is he going to revert back to going to to what he knows best when it comes to Waddle and Gasecki? I kind of think the latter in that respect, and Cooper Cup's is a great talent. He's a perfect fit there for the defending Super Bowl champs. Give me Cooper Cup.
2: Yeah, I actually covered Cooper Cup his senior year at Eastern Washington back when I was working in Spokane. Mm -hmm. And we knew back then, like, this guy's going to be really good at the NFL. How good? I'm not sure. But if I was an NFL team, I'd draft him pretty high because you just knew his work ethic, he would figure things out. Now, I didn't think he was going to be Offensive Player of the Year, Super Bowl MVP good, but it doesn't surprise me based on the type of person Cooper Cup is. Now, with that being said... I think I would still rather take Tyreek Hill. And I think it's just for me, it's the speed receiver always keeps me up at night. And whenever my favorite team is facing a Tyreek Hill type of player, I'm like, goodness gracious, this guy can just break the game open on one single play. And that's what fears me with Uh, Tyreek Hill. He is a field stretcher, almost reminiscent to a Steph Curry in basketball where he has so much range that it stretches the defense out makes them have to play up more. Tyreek Hill stretches a defense out on the football field, making them have to keep that safety back because oftentimes you can't leave your cornerback one-on-one with Tyreek Hill. Now, in his current situation in Miami, we'll see if the Dolphins are able to take advantage of Tyreek Hill's abilities, but in his previous situation, you saw it come to fruition with how much he opened up that Chiefs offense, and allowed Kelsey to operate underneath it allowed and opened up so many things for all those Chiefs skill position guys. Tyreek Hill, I think, is one of the most valuable players offensively as a weapon in the national football League, just because of what he can do from a speed standpoint. He absolutely puts the fear of God and all of these defensive coordinators and these secondaries to where I think I would still side with Tyreek Hill. On the other side, we'll take one last look at the MLB card and Rangers-Bolts Game Three of the Eastern Conference Final.
1: This is Betting Across America on BSN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. The betting splits page will show you where the money and bets are moving for every game, and now it is updated every 10 minutes so you can see the changes in all the action. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round, so check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. Welcome back. This is betting across America presented by bet MGM. Femi and hanging out with James Salinas in Colorado. James, let's turn our attention back to the diamond because we have a baseball game. That's about to get underway here in four minutes between the Seattle Mariners and the Texas Rangers out there in Arlington, Texas, minus 135. The favorite at home, the Mariners plus 115 with a total of seven and a half.
4: Yeah. Look at these games here. And we were talking earlier in the show about, the, some of these bigger favorites. I mean, Toronto was a two two fifty minus two fifty with Gossman, and and just sometimes it almost feels like we're betting the need to just bet these dogs blind. I mean, Gossman getting <laughs> two fifty. We talked about it. it's not Dave Stewart up there on the hill. Where does Gossman ever get off? Now they got tag. He got tagged for five runs and in two innings, gave up eight hits. So I think for trying to look at here with the Rangers taking on Seattle. Seattle's been terrible. On the road. They're eleven and twenty thus far this season. I think that's where this team has not a lot of moving parts. I think trying to capitalize on some of the momentum from last year and how you know unexpectedly how well they played for part of the season last year and some of the moves that they made in the off season to bolster that roster. It just hasn't played out thus far and definitely in particular, on the road, like I said, just just eleven and twenty thus far on the season, and Martín Pérez. I mean, how good has this guy been? This guy has been. Where has this resurgence come from? I don't know, but I mean, he has just been an innings eater. His ERA is now under one one and a half, and in particular in May, he had an ERA of o sixty four, and that was over wow. the course. Of six starts, he had six starts, so this wasn't just uh, he had a good game here or there. He has been eating innings, six starts in May, 0.64 ERA, and you're going to play a team here that's really struggled on the road and really struggled to meet expectations. Just, I'm not a big favorites better, but this line kind of seems a little short, and I get why it's been moving towards the Rangers, but I don't want anything to do with the Mariners in this spot with as well as Martin Perez has been pitching, and Rangers starting to play a bit better. Uh, I like the Rangers here.
2: Yeah, it's been a disappointing year for the Mariners, who a lot of people thought were on the up and up before the season started, but maybe they can get their traction as we enter these summer months. Let's go to the Rocky Mountains, where you where you reside, James. Colorado Rockies taking on the Atlanta Braves at home here. The Rockies, plus 135, the home dog. Braves, minus 160 here as a road favor with a total of 11. And we're juiced to the over, baby, minus 115. Well, we're going to see some balls flying out of the park there tonight.
4: We probably will. Now it's starting to carry the airs. Well, we didn't see that, and it's so crazy on Friday. We talked about it, too. Is the only the second time in the history of Coors Field, which was built in 1995 when the Rockies started playing there, that they had not – basically through nine innings, it's been a scoreless game. That happened on Friday, and obviously went to extra innings again last night. Rockies bullpen not able to hold and, and push them through for a, another loss at home in extra innings. But I think for the Rockies, it's just been – see this every year they get off to hot starts in april and then in may it just all come the wheels come off they have had the worst record in baseball over the course of the last 25 26 games i think they're 7 and 19 overall in the past roughly the last month that is by far the worst record in baseball yeah i get why this number is where it is and i don't know if morton has been you know morton's kind of been is that veteran pitcher up here and for a team like Atlanta, are they going to start to ride it, ride some momentum? Morton still just really hasn't been the, the Morton that we've been accustomed to, where he just hasn't been working deep into games. I mean they're looking at his pitching line, and over the court, he's only pitched one he's had one start this season that has gone six innings. That's it. One start out of 10, he's had 10 starts, only one time has he reached six innings. So he's been working a lot of deep counts and been tending to get the ball up a lot more. He's two to one right now, fly ball to ground ball outs. That doesn't bode well when you're talking about Coors Field, but right now the Rockies are not hitting the baseball either. I, I don't have a recommendation here. I don't want to bet on Charlie Morton on the road right now with his propensity to keep the ball up and that ball start flying out of Coors Field. Uh, hasn't been doing that lately, but not a play that I want to make, not laying that big of a favorite. And the Rockies got to win at some point here. Is it today? I'm not willing to bet and say yes, it is, but I don't want to bet against them and say no, it's not too big of a price on Morton on the road.
2: There are a few more baseball games on the card, but to get the analysis on those, make sure to check out Adam Burke's MLB Daily Best Bets here on the website because we've got some bigger fish to fry, to be quite frank here, James, with less than 30 minutes to go. Game number three of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL here between the Rangers and the Lightning. And right now, Tampa Bay, minus 175 on the money line over at BetMGM. The Rangers, plus 145, coming back with a 2-0 lead after they won games one and two at Madison Square Garden. The total in this game, five and a half, juice toward the under at minus 135, Kind of your final thoughts here, James, with the money line or
4: the total between the Rangers and the Lightning game three Eastern Conference Finals. Well, unfortunately, I definitely like the money line under or the the total under at five and a half when it was at a dollar twenty. Now it's all the way up to a dollar thirty-five. It's, it's, don't want to have to try to chase and get that last number. A lot of chasing going on. That's not going to be <laughs> me here. Femi. We're staying disciplined, ch- baby. <laughs> that is correct, my man. So we're we're just I. You don't want to have to pay, and that's 15 cents worth of juice. That's pretty considerable, thinking about it, depending on how much you're going to start betting on these. But I don't want to bet. I, I, I can't say, well, this is a game that we're going to start to see a lot of goals in this matchup here and go beyond five and a half to get to six goals. I mean, the rate, Ollie's been great for the Rangers. Igor's been awesome in goal for the Rangers. Been tremendous back there, playing with a lot of confidence. And I think for the Lightning here, we talked about it earlier with some of the injuries that they're just kind of gut through right now because of, I think, what was mentioned in the a few segments ago uh, when we, we were able to talk to a- Evan Klosky on it. He was just saying there's, it's kind of a walking, wounded group. Yes, missing a couple key players for Tampa, but they're, they're really banged up in that Florida series, even though it was only four games, took a lot out of them considering all the put their bodies out there on the ice to block a lot of shots. And I think for Vasileski now, there's been, he's really been peppered with shots by the Rangers' top shelf, in particular the stick side so what might we see from tampa to try to muck up that side of the ice to limit some of those opportunities to go top shelf up high against vasileski on on the non-glove side so i just i i still like the under here i know that's a, a bigger price to have to lay at $1.35. as far as the side is concerned femi uh, i don't want to bet against the i don't want to bet here against tampa to say that they can't get this done. And I, th- I just feel like they will find a way. This is who they are and what they've done. And it's just within that locker room, these are guys that won't panic. You've already, they've lost two. This, they're not going to panic here. They're coming back home. They know it takes four games to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals, not just two. And I think for the Rangers, I wonder when they start to level off a little bit, considering back-to-back seven-game series, and then had that momentum and still stayed in that rhythm from closing out the previous series with Carolina and then jumping right back to New York home ice where they've been tremendous this season, 8-1 and so far in the playoffs at home. Have the Rangers been at MSG? I wonder if there's not so much a flat spot, flat spot emotionally, Femi, but maybe the legs catch up to them. I mean, back-to-back seven-game series, then you're playing at home and kind of riding that adrenaline for two games, but now having to go down on the road. I wonder if this is where maybe the legs hit a bit of a wall for the Rangers and the urgency for the Lightning. Don't want to lay that big price, but I don't want to take the Rangers in this spot. I think Tampa Bay wins this game. You know, it's interesting from
2: listening to you break down the game. We also had Evan Klosky on, like you mentioned earlier, in the second hour breaking down the game. It almost feels like to me that if you kind of wanted to play the under, maybe you do a lightning and under correlated parlay because – Based on where the Lightning are at and in this matchup where the Rangers have the more speed and they're kind of putting them on their heels, it feels like for the Lightning to win, this needs to be a lower scoring game. So those outcomes almost feel correlated to me. Do you think that's kind of how we're at? I'm at BetMGM right now. You can get sort of plus 173 on
4: if you were to parlay the Lightning with the under. Yeah, as far as correlating goes, I'm not really. I really don't like to play two. Side, whether I definitely, I don't usually do parlays within the same game. I don't do a whole lot of parlays, but I definitely don't like to have two plays within the same game. So mm. you know, a certain team in the over, a certain team in the under, but correlated just from the standpoint of what it's going to take for the Lightning to win. Yeah, they don't want to get into a shootout. Not that the Rangers are that type of team either, but they've been struggling. I, you know, the the goaltending here for the Rangers is stellar right now, and. Uh, I, I do. I think between the two, as far as the price is concerned, I'd rather weigh, lay the 135 mm-hmm. to the under at five and a half than lay the dollar 75, dollar 80 for the Lightning to win. Uh, but correlated wise, yeah, you don't. You're not going to see a higher scoring game that Tampa comes out on top. They're going to have to really try to make it an ugly hockey game, like Evan was talking about earlier on that side of the ice. Vasilevsky's fully capable of pitching a shutout in the playoffs. We've seen that plenty throughout his career, and so it would make sense here. If you're looking to correlate that and actually make that play to not have to lay those big the, the juice on either of those plays, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I wouldn't want to go Tampa in the over. It would be Tampa yeah. in the under or nothing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Tampa in the under, to me, feels like it could be a look there. If you're getting plus 173 around that range, maybe get to 175. 175s, definitely shop around, and some books might not let you do that. Some books do let you do that, but I think that if you shop around, you might be able to find a pretty decent price if you are looking to back the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you're bullish on the Rangers, plus 145 at BetMGM to go up three games to none in this series. On the other side, we'll see if the Warriors can even up the NBA Finals. Here's the final segment, talking all things Game 2. Tonight's NBA Finals matchup.
1: This is betting across America on BSN, the sports betting network.
2: There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sports books. New customers can download the BetMGM app and place a $10 moneyline wager on any NBA Finals game, and if either team hits a three-pointer in the game, To win $200 in free bets. Just use code VSIN200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM daily promotions, Boosted Odd specials, and more. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use code veasan 200 to win. $200 $200 in free bets if either team hits a three pointer in any NBA Finals game. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Welcome back. This is the final segment of Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe here hanging out in Las Vegas. James Salinas out in Colorado. James, let's talk NBA Finals before we get out of here. Game two between the Boston Celtics and Golden State Warriors. Golden State Four-and-a-half-point favorites at home expected to bounce back and maybe even up this series after dropping game one Thursday night. The total coming in at 215-and-a-half, Warriors minus 185 on the money line, Celtics plus 150. But I wanted to almost talk about this before we get into the nitty-gritty of the game about what this might mean for the series price. Because right now the Celtics hovering around that minus, I believe, 160-ish or so on the series price, 155, depending on where you're shopping to win this series, the Warriors over at plus 140-ish. Where do you think, if let's say if Golden State wins tonight, where do you think that series price is going to go here? Are we looking at a pick essentially, or where do you think we'll, where we'll be at?
4: Yeah, I mean well regardless if the if, even if the Warriors win they still have lost home court advantage so that's going to that'll count where what was the opening price on the series was it like it, around a dollar? It was 60? it was
2: pretty much flipped it was like minus 155 Warriors like plus yeah, 130 right. 135 Celtics I
4: believe Yeah, it might be just slightly in favor of the Warriors in this spot maybe not maybe it's right around a pick em I think he Partially, it probably kind of depends on the liability the books have on either side to win the series, not only within this current series prices that they've been putting out, but long term uh the the long term liability too as far as bigger future tickets tickets on both teams at at much greater odds that we're uh, I just don't know what that looks like from a, a sports book perspective of their you know their liability towards either team. But uh it's probably gonna be a, a, in this case, maybe it's still slightly favored to the Celtics. Um it, it's just hard it's we have to see how this game goes. So it's hard to project. I'm having a hard enough time projecting. Who's going to actually win this game tonight? <laughs> I I lean to the Warriors in this side. I don't like the four and a half. I think this is going to be another highly competitive game for sure. I mean, it's the NBA finals. The Celtics found themselves in that fourth quarter. I think they had some tired legs, but the bench players were able to step in and make some take take some of the scoring load off of in particular jason tatum who we know is the workhorse offensively for this team and you know he was not shooting the ball very well not shot the ball forget about very well he was awful from the floor and he's flat out said he said "I, i didn't have my shot i was bad but i had to find other ways to contribute he did that with 13 assists so if the warriors win it might be right there at a coin flip i would still kind of favor the celtics at a series price small Small favorite, very small favorite, maybe $0.10 favorite for the Celtics since they do have the home court. But, you know, really just don't know how that game might play out. And if it's a one-way street for the Warriors, that will have some influence too on what that number looks like. But I think it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a, a, a close game. And even if the Warriors pull it out, which I kind of lean, I suspect that they will. And I'm kind of hopeful that they will, just that we have a, a close game in any yeah. of these NBA playoffs for a change outside of that Game 7 with the Heat. Even that one wasn't close until the very end, uh, the last minute or so. I'm just hoping for a close game at, one point, at some point in these NBA playoffs.
2: Yeah, I think if Golden State wins tonight, my guess on a serious price entering Game 3 would probably be Boston minus 125, Warriors plus 105, somewhere around there, I think, just because, like you mentioned, the Celtics being the uh, home court advantage after stealing game one there. But, like we mentioned, Boston hasn't been – Amazing at home in these playoffs. They lost two games at home against the Heat. They lost two games at home against the Milwaukee Bucks. They've been terrific on the road. So maybe having that uh, pressure of not having the home court advantage is where the Celtics play at their best. Right now, real quick, before we get into the props and the actual nitty-gritty of the game, NBA Finals MVP, Jason Tatum's plus 135, Celtics minus 165 here. Any value for Tatum for Finals MVP if you wanted
4: to find another way to bet Boston? I don't think so because I just it doesn't all have to fall on the shoulders. We know he he is going to he's the he's the top player and top offensive player for sure on that team, but they don't need him. He doesn't have to have high volume shooting. It's not like Steph Curry. Steph Curry not that he needs to dominate the ball, but for the Warriors to win, Curry has to be he he's got to be if not sensational, he's got to be playing at an all-star level, basically game in and game out. Clay might have a game here or there, but it's really on the shoulders of Steph Curry to have to shoulder the scoring load for the Golden State Warriors. Well, we saw that with Tatum. Clearly, they didn't need him to have a good shooting night for them to be able to win. Plenty of other options to score. And I think that's where for the the biggest thing that I saw in that game one was when Clay Thompson was on the floor. He got targeted. Jalen Brown, mm. their offensively, they were very intentional were the Celtics in their offensive game plan to go after Clay Thompson. And we know he's coming back from the ACL. He's coming back from the Achilles. Like, he's just not going to be that type of defender that he used to be prior to those injuries. It's just not going to be there for him, not only because of the injuries just getting up there a little bit more in age. And he's not going to have the foot speed to be able to stay in front of somebody like Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown needs to stop selling for as many threes as he did and be more aggressive getting to the cup, taking him to the basket, because I think that's a matchup for sure, Whether, especially with Jalen Brown, if, if they're going to match up Klay Thompson on him. Thompson is going to be a liability defensively, and I think there's a few other liabilities defensively for the Warriors to where the you can spread the wealth when it comes to scoring for the Celtics, and they definitely proved that in game one, so I don't necessarily think it needs to be Tatum to be MVP for the Celtics to win this series. Tatum's player prop
2: right now at Bet 26 is twenty six and a half. The juice to the over at minus one twenty. You see Steph Curry at twenty eight and a half. Wiggins sixteen and a half. There for the Warriors, Klay Thompson, nineteen and a half. Uh any player props when you look at the board that jump out to you?
4: I kind of look at I'm looking further down, and this would be betting against human achievement. Because <laughs> there we <think>. go. A couple <laughs> things. A couple things that he's not going to get the touches. Now we're talking about Jordan Poole, and I think Jordan Poole, this is going to have to be a Steph and Clay game. I think, for one, we, we saw Draymond taking too many shots. He's really not a shooter. Mm. He's not. He's too many shots in that first game for Draymond Green kind of settling for some based on the, the some of the defensive uh, adjustments that we were seeing from the Celtics. But Jordan Poole, I think we're seeing some of his youth coming back and playing out. The, the, definitely saw it in a couple games against Dallas, where just the shot selection, some poor choices of taking shots, especially on that that game on the road where they uh, where they lost late. Um, Really just poor youth played out for Poole. I know he's got plenty of talent. He's got the ability to shoot it from, beyond, from from way beyond the arc. But you don't need to shoot it as soon as you come across half court. Work yourself through the offense. And I think we may not see as many minutes for Jordan Poole in this game tonight. This is not going to be Steve Kerr saying, well, we really need Jordan Poole to be a contributor for us to to even up this series against the Celtics to go win another championship. Kerr's going to rely on what, what he knows with his team. With We saw a great game out of Otto Porter Jr. We saw some more minutes with Iguodala finally coming back into the fold. He got hurt early in that series, first-round series against the, the Denver Nuggets. I just don't know, number one, if Poole's going to get enough minutes on the court and this is not going to be a game where their Steve Kerr and, and that offense is going to well we got to get some touches for Jordan Poole and make sure he's getting off to a start and get him some confidence yeah they want to have some confidence but he is not going to be somebody that's going to get not only the minutes but the touches to be able to hit his point prop sitting at 13 and a half it's juiced towards the over I know he's fully capable of going on a run and taking those shots but if he starts taking bad shots I don't think we're going to see him on the floor, and he's had that propensity to do that lately, and there's not so much in the last series. He had four turnovers and 25 minutes out on the court in game one, but I just saw kind of the the poor shot selection late in that series against Dallas that has some concerns. Got to have some concerns for Coach Steve Kerr because he knows this is a young player playing his first finals. A lot of pressure on him. Got to go back to your vets to get the touches in the minutes. Yeah, Jordan Poole was – pretty bad defensively <laughs> in game number one we'll and see he's another bit. one you can target yeah. right he's another one you can target you can target Steph you can target Poole for sure defensively that's another reason why I don't know to your point Femi how many more minutes because he's another one when he gets out there Boston is going to target him on mm-hmm. the offensive side first
2: quarter line Warriors favored by one and a half. First half line Warriors favored by two and a half any of those interest you with them having their backs against the wall trying to start fast in this game
4: No, no. Right now, I'm just, I'm really stuck on the side. I would, if I was playing, I'd lean towards the Celtics plus the four and a half. So if I'm doing that, I don't want to bet against myself and say, well, I think uh, the Warriors, yes, the urgency is going to be there, but are they going to be able to sustain that? I just think this is a really tough matchup for the Warriors going against this Celtics team. And, yeah, they're going to have to rely on that championship mindset that they've had in the past for the Warriors to knock this down. I think they do that when you have Steph and Clay in particular. I think Clay has a much better game in game two than game one. But no first quarter, first half play for me in that in yep. this matchup.
2: That number on the side has ticked up to five here at the South Point as more and more money continues to pour in on the Warriors to even up the series. That does it for the show. Thank you to James Sliness out there in Colorado. I'm Femi Bevin our entire crew here at the south point thank you to our guest evan Kloski's sports director at wtsp in tampa coming up next betting across america three more hours of circa ross reynolds connection here on vcent